I wanted to thank you for joining us around the fire this summer. Today, I have one last story to tell you. This is the story of Paul and Silas in prison. A story of relentless ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of people who had every reason and opportunity to give up, but couldn't because of what they had been given. A story that reminds us to be gracious to others because we were first shown grace. This is the story of Paul and Silas in prison. And so it was that two men were traveling across the countryside from village to village, town to town, preaching the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Their names were Paul and Barnabas. After they had been ministering together for some time, a conflict arose between them. Soon, the tension was so great that they could no longer agree or work together. Paul and Barnabas decided that in order, in order to continue forward, they needed to part ways. So Barnabas chose a new partner, a man by the name of Mark, to travel alongside and minister with. Paul chose a man by the name of Silas. Paul and Silas headed out and continued their ministry just as before, going from village to village, town to town, discovering new disciples and training them, confirming new churches, and equipping those churches with the decrees from the leadership back in Jerusalem so that those churches would be strong and that they would last. During that time, the faith and number of Christian churches in the area grew daily. One night, as they were traveling, Paul had a dream. And in that dream, a man from a place called Macedonia visited him. That man called for Paul to come to their land, the land of Macedonia, and to deliver the gospel message of Jesus Christ to the people there. He said, we need you here. Now when Paul awoke, he knew that this was no ordinary dream. So he told it to Silas, and they agreed. It was time to go. They got up, and they headed out towards that land. When they arrived in Macedonia, they did what they had done before. They traveled from village to village, town to town, discovering and training new disciples, confirming new churches, and equipping them with the decrees that they needed in order to be strong. And during that time, their numbers and faith grew daily. Now when they were in a certain town one day, a woman began to follow behind Paul and Silas. And after she had followed them for a while, she began shouting things about them. Things about who they were, where they had been, things about the message that they were preaching, things that no one could have really known. You see, this woman was possessed with a spirit that gave her this sight. And after just a few days of putting up with this, Paul turned to her and cast that spirit out and set her free. And she became silent. Now when 
the folks who owned her found out that she no longer had this spirit and so no longer had those abilities, they were incredibly frustrated because, you see, that was a way for them to make money. And now that revenue was gone. And so those folks, they're called the magistrates. They came after Paul and Silas. They brought them up on charges. Because, you see, Paul and Silas were preaching a message that was not legal in that place. And so they were arrested. Their clothes were torn off of their backs. They were beaten with rods. They were handed over to a jailer and put in the innermost cell of a prison. They were shackled to the floor. Rather than sink into despair in that cold, dark, dirty dungeon, Paul and Silas began to sing songs and hymns of praise and thankfulness to God for what God had done and was continuing to do in their lives. The power of their praises grew. The earth began to tremble and shake. The foundations of that prison were broken. That cell door flew open. Their shackles fell off. When the jailer saw that that door was open, he panicked. You see, that man was responsible for those prisoners. And if they escaped, he would take on their charges. And so he drew his sword. And just as he was about to take his own life rather than face that fate, he heard the voice of Paul cry out from that jail cell, Stop! No, 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 we're still here. We haven't left. Don't do it. And so slowly that jailer lowered his sword and turned. And that day that jailer came to know Christ and was baptized. That jailer washed the wounds of Paul and Silas and made a friend. When it was time for Paul and Silas to leave, they didn't leave that jailer to his fate. They said, go and get the ones who sent us here. They can release us. And so he went. And when he brought them back, those magistrates learned that Paul and Silas were actually Roman citizens, which meant that they had just been also illegally imprisoned these magistrates just wanted them out of there, and so they said, go, get out of here. We just want this to be over with. And so Paul and Silas walked out of that prison that day. They rested at their friend Lydia's house, who they had met and saved in this land before and after they had rested. They continued on their way, going from village to village, town to town, Discovering and training disciples, confirming new churches, and equipping those churches to be strong and to last. And that is the story of Paul and Silas from prison. Wow, what a great story. So today, um, it's going to be interesting. If you have your Bibles, we're not going to read the story of, of Paul and Silas. We'll go through it um, again. 
uh, like we normally do. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 13. Um, since we're very short on time, we're going to sit right here. Uh, this is going to be uh, our application, or it was the application um, of the talk that I wanted to share. Because I believe that this is important. I believe that the subject that we're talking about today is, is actually very, very important. And it's the subject of disappointment. Because I think this is one of the biggest killers of our faith today. And I remember dealing with this when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. And it started with really stupid but, but honestly big things to me. I remember being 13 years old, mowing the yard, listening to worship music, and praying that this certain young lady that I went to school with would like me. And the next day when she didn't, I felt like God had let me down. And that's the truth, right? I, I sat there and was disappointed. But then later on in life, I had experienced maybe some little more serious ones. I remember being 18 years old in high school, my senior year, a couple of weeks before the state wrestling tournament. And my grandma passes away. She had emphysema that she had dealt with for a long time. She was 65 years old, which was too young to die. And we had prayed and prayed and prayed that God would heal her. And he didn't. And I was disappointed. I remember doing that in 2010 with Laura, where she had um, cancer, a young lady that came to our church. And we had prayed for her and prayed for her and prayed for her. And at, I forget, I think she was 26 years old. She passed away. And I went home and was disappointed. And I remember two months later, my aunt died. And the whole time I'm thinking, God, God, where are you? Now, I have many more testimonies from our church. We have people in this congregation right now that have been healed of addictions. We have people that God has touched their lives of chronic illnesses that they have been healed, that they have massive pain and experience it no more. But why? Why in those one times did God choose to work and in others he didn't? And what happens or what do I do? What do I do with my disappointment? Because disappointment happens, doesn't it? Things don't always go the way we expect them to go or the way we want them to go. And when they don't go the way we expect them to go, we are disappointed. And disappointment happens. But disappointment that leads to disbelief is a problem. Because here's what we know about the story of Paul and Silas. You can allow your circumstances to manipulate your faith or you can allow your faith to manipulate your circumstances. Most of us fall in the first one there where our circumstances come against us and we no longer believe. Or we can look at our circumstances, we can continue to believe, we can dive in with that heart of worship like Paul and Silas did, and we can watch God move. Both will happen if you choose one or the other. I heard a guy say recently that in your garden there will always be two trees. Always. You will have circumstances and rough things that show up, but you'll always have two trees. You'll have the tree of life, or a tree that leads to life, or a tree of knowledge of good and evil, just like in the Garden of Eden, a tree that leads to death. And you get to make the choice which tree you're going to chew and eat from. I choose life this day, and I hope you do as well. There are two very, very fundamental truths that we have to buy into for this to work. Truth number one, God is good. I love that Jordan did that song. Good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. You are good. You are good. You are good. If we understand and buy into this truth, God is good, then when our circumstances arise, we can understand the second truth that we live into a fallen world, but we serve a good God. 
You see, we start to think that our God is not good when we get disappointed. And it's our world that is not good. And we serve a good God. Got a couple of scriptures from, from Psalms. Uh, I love that David does this. Psalms, David writes, taste and see that the Lord is good. David was able to pour his heart out and say, listen, this is what's going on. My enemies are rising against me. I'm struggling right now so much, Lord, but you are good, and I will follow you, and I will put my trust in you. Under your wings will I trust as I stand strong. See, he didn't allow his circumstances to dictate his faith or to manipulate his faith. He had his circumstances there, and he used his faith to manipulate his circumstances. That's a powerful reality. But it starts with understanding that God is good and we live in a fallen world. There are certain things that we just can't do much about. It is appointed for all men once to die. That's what the Bible tells us. Why? Because sin entered this world and the payment for sin is death. We get eternal life following that. We get to rise again because of the grace and love of Jesus Christ. Because of that price that was paid for us. We serve a good God. And we live in a fallen world. Romans 8, 28 says, All things work together for good to those that love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. You see, we have a good father that we get to look to. Don't allow your disappointments to shadow that truth right there. Because sometimes we will look at it and say, Where are you, God? And we start to, to not believe that he is a good God. And we can't afford to do that. If we want breakthrough like Paul and Silas had, they were able to break out of prison. We need to use our faith to manipulate our circumstances and understand that we serve a good, good God. That's truth right there. So <clears throat> in Luke, we're going to talk about this, um, this scripture here. We're going to be in, in chapter 13, uh, verses 6 um, through 9. And we're going to look at a little bit through the eyes of disappointment. This is a story, a parable uh, that Jesus um, tells, and we're going to dive into this, and we're going to get our application. Because the truth is, what do we do with our disappointment? Because disappointment happens. What do we do with it? Well, I think there's some truths that we can learn from this story to help us understand that. Six, he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found None. I'm going to read on so we can see this disappointment that he has. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? How many of us have had something that we've invested in for a period of time like three years? And we look at it, and it's just not working the way we thought it was supposed to work. And we say, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm done with this job, I'm done with this marriage, I'm done with this friendship, I'm done with these kids. I said that yesterday. Um, but we say those things, right, because we look at it and we're not getting the fruit that we want. And so I'm done with it. It's over with. Why should it use the ground? You see, disappointment happens all the time. Mourning is something that is real. And I, and, and I believe that it's something that we should have. We should mourn. But mourning that causes us to lose faith is a problem. Disappointment that leads to disbelief is a problem. Don't let those things take you there. This man is disappointed that this tree is not bearing fruit. Something interesting about this is this tree is planted in a vineyard. So there are other um, plants in this place 
that probably are growing and prospering because he's not addressing those. He's addressing the one tree that's not growing. And his declaration at the end is this. Why should it take up (coughs) the ground? The same ground that certain plants are prospering in is the same ground that this tree is not being successful in. You see, we people love to blame the ground. That's one of the reasons why I was so thankful that Tori was able to share a little bit of her testimony this morning. Because uh, somebody that grows up in the foster care system, one kid turns out just doing so well and another kid doesn't. But we can spend our entire lives blaming the ground, blaming our parents, uh, blaming our, our family, blaming the, uh, the schools or the abuse that we experience, blaming our workplaces. We can do that or we can move past it and learn to flourish beyond the ground. You know, we're willing to blame churches. We're willing to blame God, all kinds of things for the problems and issues that, that stop us from breakthrough in our lives, from bearing forth this fruit that the Spirit of God wants you to have in your life. The fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those are things that all of us would say we want, but we don't have them. Why don't you have those things? Dang ground I grew up in. I mean, the ground's the problem. Yeah, but the same ground, that guy's planted in it, and he's bearing fruit. It's not the ground. That's the problem. It's not the circumstances that make the situation. It's the faith that bends the circumstances. And you can have that breakthrough in your life regardless of what's going on around you. Haven't you experienced that before? Where you have somebody in your life that it doesn't make sense because they've gone through the worst. They've had the worst life. (coughs) And they're able to smile and have joy. And you're like, why do you have joy? When I wake up every day and I've been blessed with, you name it. And I don't have joy. See, we think it's the circumstances or we think it's the ground, and it's just not the ground. Same ground somebody can be successful in. But he declares, cut it down. I'm tired of this tree. <coughs> Excuse me, not bearing fruit. <clears throat> and I love that he was so truthful with his words right there. You know God can handle your truth. God can handle when you have problems. You don't sit with the problems. That was what David was a master at and why I love reading the Psalms. David was always ready to declare his problems. Lord, my enemies are at my doorstep. I don't know what to do. But he never stopped. His songs never stop with that. They always continue on in talking about how big his God is. But you, oh Lord, can defeat anyone. That's powerful. Something I wish we could understand more. Disappointments happen. Problems arise. But our God is bigger than our problems. Can we stop looking at the problems and start declaring to the problems how powerful and awesome our God is? Uh, I wish we could get a hold of that. God can handle your truth. If there's disappointments, you can take them before God. Don't dwell on the disappointments. Don't stop with the disappointments. Start declaring your faith in God past that. Let's read on because I love what the vine dresser, how he answers this. And we're going to get some truths here. He answered him, sir, let it alone this year also. I want to stop right there. One of the big keys to this, guys, is patience. Patience is a key ingredient to your relationship with God, to your faith. Because this is the reality. God's timing and your timing are never on the same time frame. Never on the same line. It just isn't. 
We always think, man, this should work out this way, but it doesn't. It will work out because we know that promise from the scripture. But sometimes you have to give it time. And, and I've had enough experience in my life now to know that when I'm going through a week or a month that is just difficult, to wait a little bit, and man, the next month or two months later, things always seem to turn around. But see, we, 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 we can be people of impulse, where it's like the situation's rough right now, so I'm done with it. Man, if I just quit on our marriage every time Ruth and I had a fight, we would, I mean, we would have been done like the night we said our vows, right? It just wouldn't happen. If we would have done the same thing with our kids and in those relationships or our finances, when things get difficult and there's a bill that shows up that we didn't know we had to pay for, we just quit. I quit. I mean, that's no good for anyone. Give it time and allow God to work. Thursday night, we went golfing for our golf small group. We started, and it was absolutely beautiful out. Wonderful temperature. I think it was 76 degrees. By hole four, torrential downpour. You guys on south side of town, I couldn't believe it how much rain we got in like a half an hour. And the golf course was completely covered with water. And the entire time we're sitting in the shelter, of course, hiding from the rain, we're cracking jokes about this is Ohio, wait a minute, and the weather's going to change. And sure enough, it did, right? It did. I mean, you would have you thought an hour later that it didn't rain at all, not because the ground wasn't wet, but because the sun was shining and there wasn't a cloud in the sky. You can make those rash um, decisions in those moments of disappointment, and, and we could have walked off the golf course, it's raining, and not finished the round. But if we will be patient and allow God's timing to become our timing, not our timing to become his, but allow God's timing to become our timing, we can see breakthrough in our lives as long as we do not give up. It's powerful. So be patient. Impulse can be such a problem for us. Sir, let it alone a year. A year. Man, it's hard for us to give a year to something. But give it a year. Until I dig around it and put on manure. The King James says, until I dig it and dung it. I love that. Dig it and dung it. You see, he's going to dig around it. Why is he going to dig around it? Because he's, he knows that he has to get to the root. He has to get to the, the problem, which is going to be the root. Now, this is interesting to me. Because you see, the problem that we see is that there's no fruit on the leaf, right? But the problem's not at the leaf, it's at the root. Because if we get the roots right, then the leaves will produce. You see, life change happens from the inside out, not the outside in. We live in a band-aid culture where we're trying to get our circumstances or the things around us to change so that we can experience joy and breakthrough on the inside. That is not truth. Truth is that breakthrough happens on the inside and it changes our circumstances and realities on the outside. And so you got to work on the inside first. That's why I loved, once again, I'm going to refer back to Tori's testimony. You know, we talked the other day about some of her behaviors because I have a kid that I'm dealing with that, that is just, behavior's terrible. And she's like, yeah, the old Tori would have done exactly the same thing. Those were her words. Yeah, the old Tori would have done that. So what changed you? Jesus did. I should know that, right? Um, Jesus did. Because it's a, it's a change from the inside out. 
I realized my worth in him. I understood what other people were doing because of him, and it changed me, and I'm a different creature today because of that change that happened on the inside. You want to change your circumstances? Start changing your inside. How do you do that? You pray, you worship, you read your Bible, you go to church, you get involved in small groups. You get those things that feed your spirit, your heart, and allow it to produce and change what's going on on the outside. That's what you do. That's what Paul and Silas did. They didn't sit there and try and pick the locks because they're in the inner prison. They'd have 12 locks to go through. What they did was they decided to open themselves up and praise and worship their Savior and see what happens there. And of course, there was miracle and there was breakthrough. And you have to get to the root. You are not going to fix the problem if you just throw manure on top of the tree. It's not going to make a difference. But that's what we tend to do. If you had somebody that did that on your farm, you would be like, this guy's a moron. If he says, wow, that tree looks bad, and just throws manure on top of it, that's not going to work. He's got to dig up and get the root healthy. He's got to get it where it's going to be successful. So he puts manure down low where it can feed the tree. And we've got to get the right feeding taking place in our hearts and lives. Change happens from the inside out. So you have to get to the root. Don't deal with the leaf at the leaf. You deal with the leaf at the root. You don't work on the outside in. You work on the inside out. And then the last part, dung it. Put manure on it. Allow the stinky to make you stronger. And I love that. Because there are certain circumstances that you will be in, just like Paul and Silas, and and we've seen this. Breakthrough leads to breakthrough. It just does. Paul and Silas were praising and worshiping. And you know what? They experienced breakthrough at that point. They were able to move past their circumstances and they were, they were able to receive their freedom both physically and spiritually because you know what? Their freedom wasn't based in the chains that their body was in. It was based in the freedom that they had in their spirit. And they were free people regardless of their circumstances. And they praised and they worshiped and they were able to grow in that. Allow those stinky circumstances to grow your faith. When things aren't looking great around you, Man, lean into the word. Lean into what God is doing. And as things change, give him praise for it. Give him thanksgiving for it. And allow your faith to grow so that the next circumstance that shows up, you can move right through that one as well. Allow what's stinky to make you stronger. And the last verse that we have here is number nine. (coughs) And it says this. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not you can cut it down. If it doesn't grow you, it's got to go. That's just the truth that we have right there because we have so many things in our life that cause distraction, that pull us away from growing in our faith to God. And if it doesn't grow, it's got to go. If it doesn't grow, it's got to go. See, there are times that we've been patient and there are boundaries and all that stuff. I'm not talking about God, but there are situations that, listen, they're pulling us down and if it doesn't grow, It's got to go, and that's a reality that we have to face at times. But see, disappointment occurs, and that's what this whole thing is about, and that's what I wanted to get across to you. Even when you're doing what's right, Paul and Silas were doing what was right. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. They ended up in jail for doing what's right. That's unexpected. That's not what they were looking forward to. But they didn't allow that to pull them away in their faith towards God. They allowed instead their faith to change their circumstances. We all, 
in this room have that same power if we would lean into what God has for us. You can manipulate your circumstances through your faith or you can allow your faith to be manipulated by your circumstances. Those are your trees. They're in your garden. You can choose either one of them. Let's choose today to allow our faith to manipulate our circumstances that no matter what's going on around, we're going to lean in to the word. Because disappointment happens, but don't allow your disappointment to lead to disbelief. Father, we thank you for this time and your truth. Lord, I ask that you would lead us and guide us in everything we're trying to do this day. Father, we want your truth to be experienced here today and that we would grow in you. We praise you, Father, for what you're doing in Jesus' name. God is good, amen. This is a lesson that I think we have to learn over and over and over again, the lesson of Paul and Silas in the prison. And uh, we get in these negative circumstances a lot of times, and we forget to worship God in the midst. And that was the key to their success. That was the key to the earthquake. That was the key to the move of God in their life. In the midst of the circumstances, they worshiped. They praised. God sent an earthquake. We have to relearn it and relearn it. It seems like in every situation, whenever we get into a bad situation or a bad circumstance, we've got to learn it again because we just don't do it. We just don't get it. We have a little granddaughter who we took putt-putt golfing on our cousin camp. Cousin camp is a thing we do with our grandkids. And we had all five girls on Friday for 24 hours. And the girls are kind of easy, kind of not. The boys are kind of easy, kind of not. What I mean is there's good things and bad things about both, you know. Girls have a lot more drama and stuff like that, you know. And they, they're kind of cryy and weepy sometimes. And, and my sons both are like that too, cryy and weepy. Anyways, um, we took her putt-putting. And after every hole, we had to teach her again how to putt in the ball. She'd walk up and try to hit it like this and throw it down, and she didn't get it. We had to teach her every hole, every hole. Finally, she got it sort of at the end. She finally got it. We have to be taught every time. Every time. It's crazy. Anyway, I want to pray for you today. Can we do that? We're going to go have a picnic here, get some food. Father, I thank you for these guys. Uh, We just need your help, and we're not ashamed to say that. We need your presence and your power and your strength. We need an earthquake a lot of times, Lord. We need the prison doors to fly open and and everyone's bands loosed. We need that, Father. We know that only comes through your worship, through praise, through your presence. Teach us, Lord. We need revelation. We give you praise and honor for today. We believe you are the awesome God. Awesome. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody stand up. Turn around and give someone a high five. Tell them you're glad they came to church today. Great to have you guys. Enjoy the week. All right. You going? All right. I was eating provolone out of the pan. Y'all don't understand. I was trying to get it. I'm in that studio trying to keep it pushing. Patty pops, boy, I kept them cooking. All I needed was a merry, merry, but the guy to me was having commentary. Blessings falling in line, guess I need a taper. And every loss is a lesson. Tell my haters I confess.